You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Olivia Christian coming up in about 15 minutes. Brendan Nunez a little bit over one hour from now, and then Matt George in the final hour of the show. That is game uh sent golden state down i think from the fifth spot to the seventh spot and moved uh minnesota into the top six for i think the first time in a while uh minnesota has gotten back into the top six along with dallas at five los angeles at four the clippers excuse me los angeles clippers at four and then of course the sacramento kings at three yeah it's a big deal like that seven games here seven games uh a as far as above 500 the kings are eight games the warriors are are one game above 500 that's not easy to make up like especially we're talking about a 32 game sprint to the finish line at this point right uh, is that all that's left yeah um, 32 yeah. well that's all that's left for sacramento yeah 32 yeah i mean oh man you, you we're you, hitting this stretch run you got you, you you got my attention with something a, a minute ago when you're talking about New Orleans schedule. New Orleans could be completely out of the play in picture by the time they play Sacramento. Like Portland's right there. Like Portland with that win last night, they're a half a game back from New Orleans at ten. Yeah. By the time we get to that game Sunday, the the Pelicans could realistically they can't fall any further. They could realistically be at 11th and out of the whole conversation. Boy, yeah. what a what a, what a <laughs> like, conference, look, man. Goodness there, gracious. There are teams that are going to be better in a month than they are right now. There's also a bunch of teams that are just going to give it up and, and don't care. But we're we're getting to a point where there are fewer and fewer of those teams. You know, Utah won way more games than anyone expected. And you almost feel like Utah is is hanging on right now to make sure that uh marketing makes the all-star team mm. and then we might see them do their epic tank in the second half of the season um like that's very possible so it, it's interesting like i you know the standings are are brutal to watch and it's really good that the kings are above like that whole group i mean i don't know how many days in a row they've been in the third seed but certainly it's it's way more than i thought it would be and it's really good to see them like sort of build some momentum and, and like head towards something positive. Uh, Nikola Jokic was named the Western Conference Player of the Month for January. Um, nominees for that included Anthony Edwards, as well as De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Oh, yeah. Like these guys, I, I mean, they've played so incredibly well. I was looking, I think De'Aaron had five games of 30 or more in the in the month of January. Um, and then either even a, a bunch of games where he was like 28, 29, like they're rolling. They're, yeah. they're playing some of their best basketball and it's good to see. 
Utah falls out. Who do you think jumps in? You think it's Portland? OKC? OK, Lake Lakers. Like, I, yeah, I hate saying it, but like if the Lakers figure that they still have LeBron, and, and if AD, let's say the AD plays 25 out of the final 30 something games that they have. Mm hmm. They got a shot. I'm not going to put them out of out of the playoff contention. I mean, LeBron has no intention of missing the playoffs, um, so they're going to be difficult. And and again, if you're the Kings, what you don't want to do is finish seventh, and then somehow yeah. lose a one game stupid play in, and don't make the playoffs. Because again, play in isn't the playoffs. Well, if you're the seven, you'd have two, right? If you're the seven, you'd play two play. Like if they lost the first, they would have to lose two play in games. To, to miss the playoffs. Yeah, you'd have to lose two. Yeah. But if you're we're seven. talking about two, but those are one-game series, and you just never know. I mean, like, as as someone who's uh, been an a Oakland A's fan forever, you know how many times they've been eliminated in the wild-card game? You get 162 games in, and game 163, you have a big lead in the seventh <laughs> inning and, and blow it, and then that team goes on to win, you know, like, and, and you're out. Yeah, it's just brutal. There's a good chance it's going to be a while before you get to game 163 as an Oakland A's fan. Yeah, I brought, most likely. Yeah. You, might, you might not get there again as an Oakland A's fan. Maybe if a Las Vegas A's fan. You, you oh, get no. There See, I'll get there as a San Diego Padres fan then there you go. If, they, if, they move to, if they move out of Oakland. I, I like that Padres group. Uh, man, this, this, I actually think both conferences are, are, are really fun. Uh, to watch right now. I don't know what the hell happened in Boston last night. Boston absolutely beat the hell out of Brooklyn. Um, I, 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 I missed most of that following the Kings game and then doing our little live show on the Odyssey app immediately after. But that was one that was just never close uh, with big-time performances again from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You mentioned the Rockets. The Rockets beat the Thunder last night. Yeah. It's a big win, and that's, again, that's one of those wins that's really good for the Kings because OKC is a team that's, yeah, like, lingering. You, they are lingering, and it's a team that if you kind of knock that, like, you you knock them out of the real playoff picture, are they just going to fold up shop because they know what they're playing for? And so it adds this element of do they become sellers? Are they more likely to sell? Uh, I don't think they the Kings are going to go like get a whole bunch of players from that team uh, because I don't think they have a lot of players that can help you right now. But again, it makes it more likely that a guy like Darius Baisley is available who actually like in last night's game, he didn't score, but uh, I think he might've had two or uh, two points, four points, but he had nine rebounds in limited minutes. He's a guy that can go and actually do some things. And then looking at the uh, one final out of town scoreboard, um, Chris Paul had three points and three assists in a 32-point loss to the Atlanta Hawks yesterday. And it's just great. Like, Phoenix is still there just lingering around, but this does not feel like a good basketball team. Well, they're going to get Booker back. Um, I don't know. I saw on the ticker there maybe Thursday for Booker and, and maybe Tuesday. Like, they're, at least that's what I, I think I saw. Yeah. Um, yeah, so once you get Booker back, that's an entirely different team. And Booker's an elite player. Uh, he's, you know, one of the best shooters in the league and an exceptional scorer. He just makes things really, really work for them. I'm not going to count them out either. And I still think that they've got Jay Crowder that they'll do something with. 
I don't know why they didn't just like go back and mend fences with Jay Crowder. Like yeah. that whole situation is weird because we're talking about a pretty solid NBA player. Uh, but like, why do you have to wait all the way up until the the deadline to trade him? It seems like you you could have been able to move him a long time ago. And I'm completely unclear what happened. Like, I'm I'm just not clear about how that whole situation went and why it disintegrated so quickly. And how do they got to this state where you could <laughs> you could use a guy like Jay Crowder on the team? You have a guy like Jay Crowder on your team, and you you guys have just parted ways and i assume he's sitting at home and you know getting up and going to the gym every day you know waiting for thursday to get here yeah i I mean we're talking about like a team that lost cam johnson for months with a knee injury Mm -hmm. like you couldn't have used him like i'm totally baffled by that whole situation why couldn't you have like come to some sort of agreement and say look we'll probably trade you between on the deadline but let's get you back in here i guess if you have an injury it, it sets things back but a lot of teams are leery about a player who hasn't played in 50 games, yeah. who's just sat out the whole season. Like yeah. there is no rhythm. There is no, uh, you know, you're not building off of something there. You got to get someone integrated into your system, but then also get them up to game speed. And that's not easy. Yeah. Especially when you, I mean, I think the man, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't there a, a, a proposal that was made public from the Bucks? Like, I think Serge Ibaka was a part of that. Like, they had a couple yeah, of pieces. George Hill, Jordan Nwora. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not really something you want to ease into with Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to get you. It's like, hey, let, 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 let's go, buddy. We're trying to go win a championship here, and we believe you could be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with a team like that, you know, it's like there there should be a way to close a deal. Like that's a team that wants to get everybody in line as early as possible. It's a good fit for him. He kind of fits their type of culture, you know, the the rugged defensive culture. Uh, Yeah. I I don't know. Like, I think it's interesting too. We're seeing that there's some murmurs that there might be an arms race for OG Ananobi that Mm. teams like Memphis and, uh, and new Orleans are, might fight over him because they feel like he might be the piece that puts them into like a, a championship contender and I, well first of all new orleans i don't know what makes them into a championship contender when they've shown that they can't you know sustain like the nine game losing streak once they get zion back maybe they they bounce back and stuff but um uh, like if i'm the kings i'm looking at that too and i'm i'm like hey is that the piece that puts us over the top you know that makes us a, a legitimate contender from what you are right now which is like a really good story and a potential you know, a potential host for a first round series, but I still don't think anyone is, is completely convinced that this thing is all real come playoff time. Um, but a guy like that who has playoff can, uh, you know, lots of playoff experience and fits a role and uh, makes you a better defensive team. You know, maybe he could be a player that, that you do go all in at on. Hmm. OG on Memphis is certainly interesting. OG on New Orleans, I'm kind of with you in that. Like, you've got a lot to show us before we get there. Let's see how that. Let's see how that shakes out. And what would New Orleans have to get up, give up, to land him? Um, but that's the week we're entering. We're one week away from the trade deadline, so we've got seven more days of these conversations. These. Uh, aggregated headlines, uh, hoops hype going crazy with all of this stuff. Uh, we've got seven more days 
uh, of this stuff. So uh, we'll step out. We'll come back. Uh, Olivia Christian about to join us. Brendan Nunez coming up uh, in the next hour. And then Matt George, a final hour of the show. So much more Kings talk ahead, much more NBA talk. Um, and hopefully we've got some positive announcements to make regarding De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Don't go anywhere. It's Dealing with KC with James Ham sitting here for Kenny Caraway on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. D-Lo and Casey continues. Streaming live on the Odyssey app. Brian Winhurst says multiple teams could put in significant offers for OG if the Raptors make him available. Six to seven teams eyeing OG Ananobi, according uh, to Brian Winhurst. Uh, very believable. I just don't quite understand why the Raptors would want to move on from him. But that's a conversation for later on as we welcome in the host of the game last night. And, of course, the game last night, Cap. Across all of your social media platforms, our homie Olivia Christian. Before we dive into the Kings, I, can you can you share whatever you're allowed to with what you told me? Because this is really exciting, and I'm really excited for you, and I think everybody uh, watching and in tunes in to see you each week will be really excited for this as well. Well, thanks so much for allowing me to, like, share this news. I've been dancing around, around my house for the last two weeks. I am partnering with NBC Sports on a new series called She Got Next. It's a series that I've been trying to to launch for many, many years. For those of you that have a passion and dreams to achieve something personally or professionally, I tell you, don't give up. It took six years to get here, and there's still some more hurdles that we have to climb. Um, but NBC Sports California slash Bay Area, it's a series you'll see me on television, you'll see me on social, interviewing women who work in the industry of sport. And we're not going to just be talking about our menstrual cycles or okay. babies on planes. That's the oh. conversation we had offline. That's the baby um, beat coming with James Ham. Yeah, the baby beat coming, coming, coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> James Ham will be our expert on how to travel with baby. Um, 
But we're going to talk about their actual sports fandom and their role in the industry, whether or not they work for a team, they may work for a corporation that has a sports marketing division. It could be, you know, a C, a DEI or a line coach, whatever it is. We're going to be talking to women who are, again, making the industry of sport go. And uh, like I said, there are some more hurdles we have to get through. We're hoping to launch in March, which is a Women's History Month. And um, to duplicate the show in regional networks across the country. So that's Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston, D.C. Um, it's dream come true kind of stuff happening right now. So that's um, awesome. We're, very, we're, we're, we're really yeah, proud of you. Cool. That's 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 incredible. Just just really proud of you. That's I, I, I can't wait to see. Uh, how this turns out for those who haven't watched the game last night on YouTube yet. We we, we strongly encourage you uh, to go do that and you can get it. I mean, obviously, everyone gets a feel for Olivia here on the show. Uh, but here she's just talking Kings basketball. She's just one of us. She can do like she's stepping into my role as a host or James's role on the Kings beat as a host. That's your bag. Like you're really, really good at that stuff. Oh, thanks so much. And what I appreciate about this show is you guys have allowed me to talk beyond just the Kings. Of course, we love the Kings and diving into the details of that team, the coaching staff, the fan base. But we also dive into other topics and um, how politics, race, religion, all of that influence and affect athletes and sports. And so we'll be doing that on She Got Next as well, which is my jam. Like, I'm not just a, a stat person. I'll leave that to the experts like James and Will Z, who can handle all those things and remember who was drafted in the third round in 1989. And then which I, I don't have the mental capacity for that stuff. But I do like to talk about the surrounding topics that influence and support the industry and to lift up diverse women in the industry to talk about, again, their sports fandom, what they do, and to help kind of create an, another generation of women that work in sports. Yeah, I, I think it's incredible. Like we've talked about it. We're having um, Aileen voice on on the happy hour uh, tonight. And Aileen was such a groundbreaker, uh, you know, for in professional sports. I mean, she was one of the first full time columnists covering the NBA as a as a female. Um, and, and it's like it's crazy to see even where I stepped in to this industry in like 2010 to where it is now like there just weren't that many women in the industry and now i mean the sacramento kings have done so many amazing things when it comes to uh whether it's like katie being one of the few uh you know uh, analysts on an nba broadcast uh morgan getting her shot they did the all female and non-binary uh you know, game, which I thought was incredible and very well supported by everyone in the building, not just, you know, the the ladies that wanted to put it on, but, you know, Mark Jones stepping in and saying, yeah, like, go ahead and take my role tonight and, and let's let's let these ladies do their thing. And, and so I, I think it's amazing to watch it's the development, the growth, all that stuff. Yeah. And I want to add, um, you know, as, as there have been a lot more women who are working in front of the camera, behind the camera, working in sports. But it's really important to me um, that we have more black women who are front and center in some of these conversations on television. Again, Dilo and Casey have been amazing. This is a radio show, but because we're streaming live on, on Twitch and uh, YouTube, you get to see my face as well. But there are so many African-Americans that are in these sports that we analyze and we talk about day in and day out. And in my opinion, especially in the Bay Area, in the Sacramento area, there aren't enough women of color 
on television or on social media having these stories told. So that's the other reason why I'm super excited by this, because we're going to have a diverse number of women on their different roles and backgrounds, ages, experience. And again, talking about how to create space for the next generation of women getting into this industry while talking about sports itself. It's it's going to be dope. I'm so excited. That's my excited voice. So that's what's coming up in the future. And of course, we'll keep you updated on how the show is progressing, when it's going to debut, where you can see it, uh, all of that different stuff. I can tell you this. We're talking about women in sports. Lindsay Harding, an assistant coach for the Sacramento Kings, she's going to be with us uh, on Monday. Uh, so we hope that you'll uh, tune in. Uh, we hope that you're with us every day. But Monday, uh, Lindsay Harding uh, will be with us. Uh, we'll be, she'll be live from Houston, I believe. Uh, so we'll be talking to her uh, as they get ready for that series. Now, complete pun intended, let's talk about the game last night. Kings win again. What stood out uh, the most for you in that kind of unique game against the Spurs? Well, I have to say, you know, a few weeks ago when I was on here and I was talking about getting on the road and how it takes two or three days for you to give back yep. into your system. Yeah, we all remember. Exactly. We all remember that very well. <laughs> I, won't go, I won't go to you back deep into that. But I feel like we experienced <laughs> that again with them going to Minnesota, having the sluggish game, game one on Saturday night, and then we saw them running around more freely and playing to their strengths. Last night was more of that. Now, of course, the Spurs aren't doing well. They're in a rebuilding era right now. But sometimes those games are the hardest to win. And I also talked about this in my tennis career, which was very short-lived. So I don't mean to act like I'm some sports professional um, that was playing tennis for a long time. But Olivia when Williams. I at, when I was at peak Olivia, I had the hardest time playing against athletes that were way worse than I was. Because you just tend to play down they take you out of your out of your pace, out of your strategy, and it's a real mental hurdle to be able to get back into your game. And the Spurs are are doing that to a lot of teams because they get to pr- play so freely, right? Like Papa's going to call a timeout and regroup. And, hey, let's let's do this instead. But they have this ability and they have this space to learn each other, to learn the game, and that can cause a, a difficult time for a team like the Kings that are still you know, they're doing so many wonderful things, but having to beat people who are obviously not on the same level right now, that's a mental challenge to get over. They stay, they didn't get let the game get too out of at hand at any point, which I appreciated. I'm glad they didn't get out of control. Pop and Coach Brown were having like a timeout a fawn who can call it faster, trying to correct things. <laughs> but um, I like that the Kings pretty much stayed in their uh, stayed in the way of the Spurs. They didn't let them kind of get pulled out of what they do best. And so that was a fun game to watch. Olivia, what do you make of the the fact that the Kings are 13 and 10 on the road this season? And they're only, there's only one other Western conference team above 500, which is on the road, which is uh, the Clippers who I think are 15 and 14. But what do you make of that? Like this year specifically, the Western conference can't win on the road, uh, but the team, the Kings uh, who haven't taken care of, home cooking nearly as well as they should have are still like by the end of this trip, they could end up, you know, four five, six, seven games over 500. I think it's incredible. I think it's incredible, especially looking back at past seasons, winning on the road, the way people talk about it, athletes talk about coaches talk about like, Oh man, we got to get ready to get on the road. So, you know, there's something to it. It's not just, it's clearly not the same thing as playing at home. You don't get to sleep in your bed and have your pasta cooked the same, whatever the hurdles are that make it so difficult to play on the road. It's 
teams across the NBA and other leagues know that it's a challenge. So the fact that the Kings have been able to do what they've been doing, it's pretty amazing. And I think it's a testament to the coaching staff and then really kind of communicating to them to try to treat this like it's any other game. You have to go out there and handle business. Minnesota is a team that you should beat. Minnesota is a team that the Warriors should have beat last night, but that's another topic. But those are the teams, those are the games that you just need to lock in. Those should be automatic Ws because they're too good to lose to those teams. And the fact that, again, that they're doing this on the road speaks volumes to where they've, how they've developed, how the coaches, um, their entire coaching team has really kind of helped with their mindset and um, putting people in a position to be successful. And when they are, you know, when there's a hot hand out there, like Monk, if Herder needs to sit down for a while to get the win, let him sit down for a while because this is about a team trying to make a difference, trying to get to the playoffs, trying to make a stamp on this league. And um, they're doing it better than anybody else right now. Yeah, and shame on us, James. We haven't spent enough time talking today about what Malik Monk did uh, last night, but now's a good time to to talk about him because Olivia, that's your guy. And I don't. There are there are, there are few people who are better about talking about the mindset, not just the mindset of professional athletes, but really the mindset of, of people. And one thing that you talked about with Malik, and I think we've we, like, we keep bringing this up. Like Malik feels different. Like he feels like some sort of like inspirational leader. Like he has, he has a vibe to him that you can really, really feel at the golden one center, but it's apparent on the road too, as evidenced by, his excitement for winning a defensive player of the game chain, uh, the excitement that his teammates seem to 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 have for him, like he is a, he seems to be like a source of energy for Sacramento. Yeah, and it's it's contagious. As soon as he steps on the court, you know he wants to make an impact. You know he wants to be able to set up the other his other teammates because it's not about just running out there and jacking up threes and throwing up dunks. He's looking for opportunities to put Sabonis in a good position, De'Aaron Fox in a good position. He's trying to set people up. Um, and he's looking like he's having so much fun out there. And I think that's what helps to energize the rest of the team. I don't think they lack really any ability to have fun. They clearly enjoy playing with one another. But when you start seeing things like fouls being called that shouldn't be called or fouls not being called when they should be, it's easy to get depressed or out of your game, out of your head, out of the process. But Monk is always like, nah, we, we know what we're doing. Let's get after it. And he can help kind of put bring in that energy, jolt them back into the game. And um, it's great for him personally to be able to perform like that coming off the bench. But obviously, it just lifts the entire team. And uh, last night was another example of that. His energy, his output, and then again, setting up his teammates. It was pretty amazing. King King. Yeah, he, he definitely is a catalyst player for this team. Like when he's on, even if he's not scoring a bunch, but when he's distributing and active in the passing lanes and finding his teammates and like bringing that energy, the the Kings just look like a different team. And, you know, they need to figure out ways for for other players to have that same type of impact because he's not going to be on every single night. And that's kind of one of the issues that they've had. It's good to see him come like full circle after such a bad December and January to see Monk kind of pull up out of his, his funk and, and get back on the right path. Well, like you said, everybody kind of goes through this. Now you're not going to have a perfect night every night. So they do need to be able to find other people to, to lift them up. And I, th- I think they exist. 
I, I think Trey Lyle, he comes in, he brings in some energy. De'Aaron, uh, Davion, like his defensive effort really energizes them as well. Uh, I really just think that um, there have to be at least two people on the court at all times that can kind of bring out that energy. And Domas, Domas is again one of them. The fact that he works so hard despite getting literally slapped around, banged around, elbowed in the face, in the throat, and then he keeps getting after it. And I think that intensity helps lift the team. But when he sits down on that bench, I think Metu comes in with that same energy, wanting to make an impact. Holmes does this. So I feel like it's it exists, but to the level that Monk can do it, it's just a, it's a little different. He just has a, an, another, another layer, another uh, gear that he can turn it up on. Domas is that guy you kind of want to fight for if you're out there with him because you see the punishment he's taken and and all of that. Like we may forget it as fans or we may forget it as media. I doubt anyone in the locker room forgets the injury that he's playing through and the fact that he's probably getting his hand tape, not just before he's probably getting his hand tape multiple times a day before shoot around uh, before he warms up right before the game, like he's probably getting taped over and over again, and they're aware of that, and they know he's out there getting, as you mentioned, punched in the face, slapped in the face. He's he's getting, you know, ticky-tack fouls called against him. Meanwhile, fouls are being committed against him that aren't getting called, and that is, that's a different type of energy that I, I, I think the Kings can uh, rally around also. I think you're so right. I think seeing the abuse that he takes and then seeing what he's playing with, the limitations with his hand. I mean, he's probably getting rewrapped at halftime as well. Like all that knocking around, someone's got to put that that cast back in place. But um, I mean, we've talked about this in the past and Mike Brown talks about this a lot about how these guys are playing for each other. They bonded early in the season over the summer, practicing together, hanging out together, wanting to um, build a kind of chemistry that when you come up against challenges like injury or sickness or, you know, losing streaks, you don't lose hope. You're bound, you're, you're connected to each other and you want to win for one another. And you put out that kind of energy and that effort night in and night out. It doesn't always result in, you know, the stat line looking the way you want. But again, if you're so, if you're playing with that passion and if the shots aren't falling for you, you find somebody else who's on fire, you create opportunities for, by by you know being active in the paint and getting up and down and in transit like there are ways to to negotiate the challenges and I like you said I think teams the the team I should say the players on this team if I can get this out are playing for each other and that, I think that's the only way you can really succeed if you don't have it like a LeBron James on your team now LeBron James is working hard every night but he doesn't have the uh, the teammates that he needs to do what he's done in the past. And it's it's sad for really elite players to not be able to be surrounded by other folks who could step in. But the Kings have shown us what a team effort could look like. You definitely have some all-stars on there, but they're playing in a team way. And that's why we see so much success on the road and, of course, at home. Yeah, it, it looks like, Olivia, that the Kings, because they have two guys that are so easy to build around, like there are players in the league that just aren't easy to build around. I mean, LeBron James, you know, you have to surround him with shooters, but a lot of guys aren't just willing to accept that role. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a guy like Luka, they're still searching for a handful of players to actually work with him. And I, I think that might be the brilliance to the duo that Sacramento Kings have and Sabonis and Fox, is that we are worried about the fact that neither one of them shoot like a high percentage from three, none of that matters. You can put the right pieces around these two really easily. And you can also upgrade pieces around them um, 
where you can see like you're we're seeing player archetypes that work but if you had a better version of that player what would it look like and i just think the the tinkering that you can do when it comes to having two unique players like this is is really playing in the king's hands this season yeah it's a you know to echo what you're saying it the the fact that we they've built this team where you have a great supporting cast, you have a great second round, you have people coming off the bench who step into their roles really easily, excited to play and contribute to, and to their strains and not try to do too much. Um, like you, like folks like Luca, like you can be amazing. You can come out and have triple doubles twice a week for months, and people just keep talking. You're in the highlight reel, ESPN, SportsCenter, top plays, but your team won't win if you don't have that supporting cast, and the Kings have made some amazing moves to make sure that there are shooters on the court at all times, there are defenders on the court at all times, and, of course, defense is something that they need to continue to work on. But I don't – the fact that they have a a number of weapons, and, again, they're playing for each other, not playing outside of what they're capable of doing – I think it's going to bode well for a great rest of the season, the second half. Before we we get too deep into the season, I kind of want to go back to something you were talking about San Antonio uh, a minute ago, talking about them being like a, you know, essentially a team that has, they really don't have anything to lose, right? They're they're just out there. They're 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 playing. A lot of these guys aren't going to be on the team like next year. They, they know where they're at as a basketball team. Um, You've got a group in Houston like that coming up uh, as well. Very, very similar. Like they know what time it is. They're they're strictly on Victor Wimbenyame watch, Scoot Henderson watch. Like that's where they are. But you've got these unique games in the middle uh, with 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 Indiana coming up tomorrow and New Orleans coming up immediately after that. Two teams that are just playing terrible. Two teams that probably aren't terrible but are playing terrible. And this is where I get nervous about these two games, Olivia, is that like wounded animal type thing. Like they're both against the corner. Now, Indiana has a unique decision to make about what direction they want to go with this season, with their franchise moving forward. We know where New Orleans wants to go. This isn't a Victor Wimbanyame watch for them. Like they're trying to get to the playoffs. Like people probably lose their jobs if they don't. How do you like? Is that something like Sacramento has to take into account? Like, okay, we know that they're not playing well, but we also know how desperately they need to beat us tonight. Those are the games I worry about as much as you know games like San Antonio and Houston. I, I feel your pain there. I feel the, the mental struggle, like the, the right. worry about that <laughs> that kind of thing. I have to say, you know, obviously I'm not part of the coaching staff. I've never coached athletes but what i received as an athlete from coaches was a i was constantly being told to focus on my own game and to play my strengths don't let the other team dictate pace dictate you know when you take a shot let them take you out of your flow out of your game plan i think the kings just have to stick with what works and matching up with their team the coaches are going to do a great a, a great job at preparing them for these games knowing the mentality of each of these teams yeah, you're, you're going to be a little bit affected by that, and they're going to come out with different energy, but it's your energy, what you put out. And by you, I mean, of course, the Kings. That is what's most important, to play consistency, consistently, to play within your strengths, to play together, to come with the energy, and don't allow yourself to let the other team go off on some run. Don't get into a deep hole that you have to pull yourselves out of. I think that's just where they have to stay. You have to be able to 
to keep your head about you and not worry about what other folks are doing. Um, and I think that's what a challenge they had before in the past. And sometimes you run through that within a game, right? It's not as if they're playing from beginning to end, tip off to the, to, to the buzzer goes off the exact way they want to, but not allowing yourself to get completely pulled out of your strengths at, out of your game plan is what uh, the Kings have to do. And I think that, again, the coaching uh, staff has really mentally prepared them for these ups and downs and these hurdles. One thing that I kept thinking about last night was how I don't feel like teams are really game planning for how well De'Aaron Fox can play. He's still not getting double teamed in the way that I think he deserves to be double teamed. I'm glad that he's not. How many times he's waltzing in, getting a layup or shooting at the elbow. They seem to underestimate his ability to turn it on and turn it off. And I think the Kings need to just keep playing like they're playing. I think he's getting a lot more respect. He's getting a lot more, you know, stories written about him. He's getting a lot more coverage, he and Domas. But they're still not stepping up to play him in the way that I think he should be played if they want to, you know, put the clamps down on him. And, if again, they, if they keep allowing him to play the way that he's playing and they all as a team play within their strengths, it doesn't really matter what Indiana is trying to do, what New Orleans is trying to do in the offseason, how they're trying to make a push for the playoffs, everybody is, especially after um, All-Star Weekend. Everybody's now going into another year. They're trying to make this push, and and the Kings just have to keep their foot on the gas. Olivia, the only Kings fan, calling for a De'Aaron Fox double team. My goodness, whose side are you on? I'm just Jeez. saying, how are they not doing this? This is insane to me. You know, it, I, one of, I think one of his most telling plays was the one – it was the second game against Minnesota and James. I think it was in the first quarter. He 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 he's bringing the ball up the floor. He gets to half court and just decides he's going to take off as fast as he can, and he blows by everybody and dunks it. Like there's there's no way to stop that. You, you he caught them on he caught them on their heels, and he was just like, oh, I'm just gonna beat you to the basket. Yeah, I know. I, I heard Katie talk about a little bit last night the change of speed that he does, but there's also the spa- he his ability to change speed and direction is just incredible. Yeah. Like he can throttle up, throttle down. He can go right. He can go left. He can slow it down and do the super slow mo that he he likes to do with his floater. Like the float game has really, really opened a lot of things up for him. It allows him to get to the to finish much easier, to get to the the basket. Uh, but also, like teams are fearing what he's going to do. Like, is he going to pull up from seventeen? Is he going to is he going to pull up from ten and just kind of float on you, or is he going to race right by you? And I think that that makes it really difficult. And and it's really also it's tough to stop a guy like Fox when Sabonis is on the court because Sabonis is like the the linchpin he's the guy that's holding the whole thing together so if you're able to uh you know you can only double team one of them or you can only send extra bodies at one of them and I think that's why Fox is still finding it really easy to score at will and you kind of wish that he would take advantage of that like more consistently throughout the game Oh, dog, great stuff as always. We are super proud of you. We can't wait to hear uh, what's next with She Got Next. Um, but until then, we'll, we'll see you next week. That's Olivia Christian. Make sure you're following her across social media platforms so you can catch up on the game last night, Cap, and we'll come back. We'll talk more about the Kings. We'll talk about some other things going on in the sports world as well. Brandon Nunez on the way. Matt George coming up. Steelo and Casey. James Hammond for Kenny Carraway here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320.
D-Lo and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app. Live on the Odyssey app, live on twitch.tv slash ESPN1320, youtube.com slash ESPN1320 as well if you want to take part in the conversation. Chatty House uh, is a great way uh, to do it. Obviously talking a lot of Kings. I saw this clip from Aaron Rodgers. Are you an Aaron Rodgers guy? No. We talked to I, I, I he is the most thirsty dude like in the league. I can't stand him. He's at a golf thing. Someone yells, Any news you want to share with us? And I he yells back, I'm not going to San Francisco. Cool. I don't want you in San Francisco. Just just go away. Like maybe you should retire. Why don't you go out with Brady? You 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 both retire together. That dude sucks, man. He is just a he like he just comes across as such a crappy person. He does come across like it and it's only the last couple of years where you're like, oh man, like he, he's really gone sort of off script and, and I think he's damaged his legacy. Uh, I don't think people think of him the same way they did before. Like he's still gonna be in the Hall of Fame. He's still got a bunch of records and you know, he's still an incredible passer. But at the end of the day, like even his comments about uh like he could go win an MVP for for a team and lead them to you know twelve and and what was he twelve and five and like an a first round playoff loss he still thinks he has that in him that's it like why are you saying things like that it doesn't make any sense like sure you're good enough to like get a team through the regular season but not good enough to win um, it's just an odd like way that he he conducts himself so. Um, I'm personally, I'm kind of glad he, he's not considering the 49ers. Although, I mean, it's very possible they could have used him. Uh, you know, they could use a player like that just because he does have such a big arm. I'm, I'm looking at the TV. I guess it's not that big of a deal because it's a, it's an NFL show. So it's not as egregious if it was just a regular sports show. ESPN, they love them some Aaron Rodgers. Like he is, he like they if they if they could create ESPN like four, and it just be the Aaron Rodgers channel, like I think they would, or it yeah, might I be mean, five. They'd want to create the LeBron James channel first, which is essentially uh, the other half of ESPN when it's not Aaron Rodgers. But then they could just create their whole their Aaron Rodgers channel for everybody to tap into. Yeah, it it kind of feels like there's a specific group of people that they're looking for. Uh, when they they run their Aaron Rodgers stuff up all the time, like they're they're reaching to a specific demographic, and uh, I don't know to each their own. Like I, yeah. he's not a guy who I think we're going to see a lot of in post uh, in retirement. Um, Shoot. So and I think that's a good thing. Couldn't agree more, man. Absolutely could not agree more. Brendan Nunez is going to join us coming up in about thirty minutes. Uh, Hammer, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, with Olivia, you and I didn't discuss this probably as much as we should have. We were focusing on DeMontis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox and the defense that those guys played last night. But when we kind of opened up our conversation talking about the game, we had mentioned uh, Terrence Davis and how Terrence Davis got the call pretty early, but how you really couldn't measure much based on the minutes played last night. For example, Terrence Davis played nine minutes. Davion Mitchell played nine minutes. The greatest example of what was going on last night was Kevin Herter only played 18 minutes. And all of that was directly because of what Malik Monk was doing uh, on the floor last night. 18 for 13 uh, for Malik Monk, 22 points in 32 minutes that he played last night. It's, to me, one of the most interesting things on this season is that Monk isn't really averaging a lot of playing time. Like, his minutes per game are 
well below what he was at last year. And I thought he would be a, a bigger part on a nightly basis. So I don't know, what is he averaging this season? I, I had it pulled up here just a second ago, but uh, yeah, he's down to 22.5 minutes per game. Last year, he averaged 28. I thought he would wow. average 20, 25, 26, 27 minutes per game this season. But I also kept telling people how tight the minutes in the backcourt were going to be. Like Fox is averaging a little over 33. I, by the end of the season, Fox would be closer to 34 and a half, 35. Um, you know, we're seeing Herter, who's a 30 minute a game guy. Uh, but I thought that you would see a little bit more of Herter at the three than we have seen. And that just hasn't worked out. So either one of them or the other one is playing on most nights. And uh, I think it's it's interesting. I would like to see more of both of them. But when your defense is so bad, like you got to go with what's working. Um, I thought you mentioned Davion. I thought it was very interesting that Davion's minutes have progressively gone down. Mm. And you know, they're we're seeing more Monk in that backup point guard role. And I think we could see even more of that. I mean, if they make a move for Matisse Feibel, who can play the two and the three, uh, you're going to see even fewer and fewer minutes for guys like Davion, uh, just because, you know, you can use Monk at that backup point guard spot. Davion is becoming an interesting talking point um, with Kings yeah. fans in that I think some people don't know whether to make heads or tails of the way that he's playing. Uh, he's not a box score guy. He, like like he, he can be, he has been, but you often see his impact. Like when you're watching the game, you see the things that he does on the defensive end. You might have just answered my question, but where are you with, with Davion right now? Yeah, it's really interesting. Like I think people like early in the season, like they just think that I don't like Davion or that I'm, I'm way too harsh on him. And like when you're watching, uh, first of all, like over his last, I, I mean, he had the 19 the 19 points against the Spurs last time they played. Um, but over his last eight games, Davion's averaging 3.4 minutes on, I mean, 3.4 points, uh, 0.3 steals, 1.5 assists on just 12.8 minutes a game. Um, every time I watch him, I'm just like, everyone is doing one thing and he's not. He stands out as someone who dribbles the ball too much, who doesn't make quick decisions. And and I don't think it's that he's a bad NBA player. I he's just not the right player for this specific style of play. A lot like Rashawn Holmes just isn't the right player for this specific style of play. So I think he can continue to get his, you know, ten to twelve minutes when De'Aaron's off the floor. Um, but I, I don't think you're gonna expand on that very often unless you have to rely on him for his defense and you just can't take like when he's on the floor, you can't get outscored by a bunch. I mean, even if he is doing a great job on defense, if he's not fitting into the offense and causing problems on that end, then it almost doesn't work. Given De'Aaron's role this year, given like De'Aaron's play this year, is the role that you just laid out for Davion necessarily a bad one? Well, I mean, it's a bad one if you're looking at the number nine overall pick in, in last year's draft. Like, because, I mean, people say, oh, well, they include Davion in a trade. It's like, okay, well, what's Davion's value at this point? Like, I can't give you what his value is, but it's not, I mean, it's as a backup point guard with 
upside, but not, you know, limited offensively. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting when we saw him as like, it's his own team last year. He, he was really good in the last, you know, 15 games of the season. That's just not an opportunity he's going to get very often in the league. And so for him, he has to figure out how to be a knockdown three-point shooter. And he's gotten better as far as his numbers. But the, just the fact that he, he's not ready to take those shots still, like, it's, it's a problem. Like, even last night's game, he ended up taking a three that was a clean look he was ready for. But it came on the hills of, you know, timeouts and, and conversations because he's running around dribbling the ball through the key and coming out the other side. And you're like, man, what are you doing? That's not what this offense is at all. Yeah, you are hard on Davion. <laughs> so I think you're hard on Davion, but I also think both things can be true. I expected more probably than anyone else on the roster. I expected something else from him this year. I expected a lot more from him this year. I expected he was going to have, especially with Mike Brown as the head coach, a more consistent role with this team, which you could argue whether he's had or he hasn't. Like I'm, I'm not particularly sure that he has, but I expected some growth this season, and we haven't gotten that at all. It feels like it's another adjustment year uh, for Davion, and I hadn't thought about this before, uh, but it's something that I don't think I'll be get at, be able to get out of my head now is kind of the comp to Rashawn Holmes, how just the way Mike plays, the way that this coaching staff plays, it doesn't fit Rashawn's game. It doesn't fit what Rashawn does best. Maybe that ultimately is true, at least on the offensive end, for what Davion does. I'm not nearly as down on Davion as as some other people are, but I'm also I also like watch him like Gosh, I, I, I really thought there would be some growth this year from him. A, a, not a giant leap forward, but I certainly thought he'd take a step forward, and I don't feel like that's happened. Yeah, I mean, I thought he'd play 25 minutes a game. Yeah, right. I thought he would be, and even like 24, 25, um, he's sinking. Like his minutes per game are sinking. I, I don't know what he's down to. It's probably like 16, 17. Um, but, you know, when it comes to him, it really does, it, it shines. He's at 18, exactly. It shines a light on on the fact that, like what we talked about with Olivia, where Sabonis and Fox are so easy to put players around. Like Kevin Herter fits in seamlessly. Malik Monk fits in seamlessly. Harrison Barnes fits in seamlessly. Keegan Murray fits in seamlessly. Trey Lyles fits in seamlessly. And so you're looking at like a huge percent of the roster that just like right away like figures it out and they know what to do. And then you have these other players who can't figure it out, who just don't fit. And, you know, we talked about Luca as well, where like it's hard to find players to fit with him. And so it's not like that every single player in the league can play with Domas and De'Aaron. There are specific player types, but there are also player types that are readily available that you can go get and you can even test. And, you know, we talk about the potential for the Kings to go out and like swing for the fences or or take like conservative approaches and go look at a guy like Darius Baisley or, you know, Matisse Stiebel, Josh Richardson, all those players. Well, they may not be the end-all be-all, but what they are, they're player archetypes that you can put next to this group and see what they look like and see if they can. If you can catch lightning in a bottle, great. You, you have the ability to go and extend them and, and bring them back and all that stuff. But if not, you still are testing out theories of, 
can this style of player work with Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox? Can um, you know? Can can you get away with a non-offensive player like Matisse Thybul and really just focus on a, a defensive-only player uh, and and have the whole thing still work? Or is that not going to happen? And so I think it it adds like some different elements and like layers to what Monty McNair has to look at during the trade deadline. You mentioned, I think, did you say 18 minutes per game? Yeah. Um, since January, since January 13th, he's averaging 13.3 minutes per game. Yeah. In the month of January, he's averaging 14.9. So those minutes are steady dropping for him as I pulled up his game logs and you just, you clearly see there's a shift and his, he has like his, it really is sporadic. Like he had a 31, uh, you know, uh, minute night, 29. Um, those might've been the De'Aaron list games. He had a, uh, he had, he has a handful of nights with 27 and 25. And then you just see it. You see a ton of 11s and 12s. And then you get to, you get to this stretch in January that we're talking about. And that's pretty much all you see with the exception of the Spurs game on the 15th, where he played 19 minutes it's 10, 11, you got a 17 in here. Like, it really is just kind of out there with what he with what he's doing, with the minutes that he's playing, I should say. Yeah, and I'll even tell you, too, in, in the last 40 games, he scored in double figures twice. And, and, I mean, that's not the barometer for who he is as a player, but it shows you just how little of a factor he is on that side of the ball. And a lot of times what we're seeing is him forcing, trying to get – more looks and that's where it starts to look like you know the three of these kids are doing the same thing and one of them is doing his own thing and like you just you can watch it. It, it he stands out he stands out on the defensive end always but he also stands out on the offensive end as someone who just doesn't know how to fit in with the group that he's doing that he's playing with and, and i i hope he does i hope he figures it out he's a he's a good young player he's a hard worker uh, you know i'm not going to put it past him to not figure it out but there's only so much work you can do on your game as far as shooting and hitting the weight room and all that stuff at some point the mental aspect of the game has to take over and you have to use the tools that you have in order to earn minutes and to fit into the system that you're playing with. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.